Well, this is lesson 42, believe it or not, in the study of the book of Romans. And uh, we're finishing chapter 12 today. And these last remaining chapters are going to go much faster than the earlier chapters because we covered so much of these chapters, uh, setting groundwork for the earlier chapters. But here in chapter 12... Paul covers the spiritual gifts and general good advice for becoming like Yeshua. And let's begin today uh, by reading verses 8 through 13 again. I know we covered them last week, but it'll give us some continuity before we move on. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So Paul says, cling to what is good. And one of the titles for God is the good. And we can see this in the Amidah, the standing prayer we spoke of last week. It was said at this time in the temple daily. And there's a blessing in that prayer that says this. Everything alive will greatly acknowledge you and praise and bless your great name sincerely forever. For it is good, O God of our salvation and help, the God who is good. Blessed are you, Lord. Your name is the good. And to you it is fitting to give thanks. So one of the names of God is the good. And Yeshua tells us something very similar in Matthew chapter 19. Verse 16 and 17, he says, Now a man came to Yeshua and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Yeshua replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And so we can certainly make the case here that when Paul says cling to what is good, he's saying cling to the one who is good in his commandments. Let me say something about Jewish Midrash and Talmud and teachings, Jewish teachings in general. You know, when you study these things, you can't help but draw these parallels. And more often than not, you're going to find somewhere in the Talmud or in the Midrash, in history somewhere, something Yeshua taught, some same thing that Yeshua taught. But I should say that they are really few and far between. One teaching in a sea of teachings. But things like the standing prayer were prayers of of these men. They were the prayers of Yeshua, the prayers of the disciples. The Amidah was the prayer of the temple services. So you can't help but see these prayers in the lives and in the words of the disciples and Yeshua. But you do need to be aware because Jewish traditional teachings, however beautiful they are, are not Scripture. If you look at the Talmud and the Midrash, you'll find most of it is post-first century, post-Yeshua. And since it comes after Yeshua and after the first century, it's really a part of Judaism that would be foreign to the disciples. In the same way, that teaching of the post-first century church fathers moved away from the truth. So did Judaism do the same thing. But the point I want to make is that these things are not Scripture and Scripture trumps everything. Scripture Scripture trumps, trumps, it makes chumps out of church fathers. It trumps church fathers. It trumps the rabbis. 
Scripture trumps what you hear in your spirit. God gave us a complete work here and within it is everything we need to live lives pleasing to God. And so you ask, well, why, Stan, do you use Jewish traditions at all? Well, it's to understand the times that these men lived in. Sometimes their commentary is helpful in understanding what these men heard in the synagogues. And a perfect example of that is the Targumim. They were read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. However, there are those who would have you believe, beware, that there are those who would have you believe that Jewish tradition is as valuable as Scripture. Just as there are those in the charismatic movement that would say what you hear in the Spirit trumps Scripture. Right? Well, it's not so. Spend your life reading the Bible. Spend your life putting these words into your spirit and you'll have life that it is life and you'll never have to worry about living a life pleasing to God. Okay? So that was the, that rabbit trail. <laughs> we got a couple of rabbit trails today. But he's saying here, cling to what is of God. And now he lifts off some of some God-like or Yeshua-like behavior. And we covered these things last week. And I want to say that we have these things at work in our community. This congregation is faithful in prayer. This congregation, like no other that I've been in, is, 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 is a one that shares with God's people. It's a given here. But I also want to say, because I want us all to be that, but I also want us to say that giving and sharing must be done in wisdom. There are those, believe it or not, who make a living out of people who are givers and those who make a habit of sharing with God's people. They actually take advantage of good people and they really, these people that do it, do it to their own detriment. Some people have had their hand out all their lives. It's good to help people who are in need, and we have to endeavor to do that, but you're not helping someone if you're enabling them to continue in their sin. If a drug addict asks you for money, you're not helping him by giving the money to him because he's going to take it out and buy drugs. Well, there are those who use people in this fashion they they will come in and use givers until they've used every one of the givers up and then guess what they move on to the next place right we've had people do that and i'm going to just list off a couple of examples a few years back we had a fellow come in with two of the most adorable daughters and no wife and when he had left he had borrowed money to get a business started One that he said would feed hungry children in Africa. He played on everybody's sympathy. And one that never got started. But when he left, he owed a lot of people money in the community. When the elders found out, we confronted him and he left. And undoubtedly took his two adorable daughters to the next congregation. And did it again. Well anyway, after being asked to stop, we never saw him again. Nor did the people who gave him or loaned him money. They never saw him or their money again. And he did it, sadly, the elders didn't find out until after the damage had already been done. But, you know, that's why I tell people, if someone asks for money, send them to me. We got a community fund. I'll check out their story. We'll make sure they get the help they need. And we've had people come in looking for a place to stay. And after they've lived with several people and several families and wore out their welcome in each one of these places, they just moved on. 
to the next place to do the same. There are those, if you go to other congregations in town, you're going to hear the same story about them you would hear here or somewhere else. They go looking for help with money, places to live, with care for themselves and for their children. And when they've wore out that community, they're on to the next one. So be wise in your giving. Share wisely because you're not helping those kinds of people. You're enabling them to continue on in their sin. And if someone asks you for something, send them to me or check with me because you may not be helping or you may be enabling. So there's another rabbit trail, but I felt obligated to go down that rabbit trail after talking about giving and sharing last week. Chapter 12, verse 14 says, Those who persecute you, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now, the thing you have to remember as you read this advice is these things that he's speaking, he's speaking of, he's speaking to those in and of the community. When he says, bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse, he's not telling you to say blessings over those in the world who persecute you, steal from you, hurt you. He's speaking about people in the community. Well, you say, well, you don't get persecuted in the community, do you? Well, I say, if you believe that, you must be a real new believer. Because I know plenty of people have persecuted me and I know plenty of other people who have been persecuted. Remember, Paul in this letter is speaking to factions within the community in Rome. And to those factions, he's saying, bless and do not curse. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. He's speaking again of the community and to the community. And I can't emphasize that enough that Paul's letters and the Bible is all about community. There are no islands in Messiah. That's why Yeshua, listen to what Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 16. He says, why do people, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Yeshua replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven, I tell you the truth. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my community. It says church. If it says church in your Bible, it really should say community. Peter makes the same confession that we all must make. Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Yeshua's response to this confession, on this I will build my kehilat. And like I said, the Hebrew word he would have used would have been kehilat. The Greek word would have been ekklesia. And it should have been translated community. The word church is an invention of the church itself. It should merely say community or assembly. Yeshua was not speaking of something new called church. He was speaking about a community, a family, a kingdom of which Abraham is part, Jacob is part, and many other people throughout history. And that's why Paul says to us, live in harmony with one another. We're one in Messiah. We should be in harmony. If we're one in Messiah, does Messiah fight with himself? Of course not. The point I want to make 
is that we should be in community. Not just church once or twice a week, but we should be caring about one another. We should be in community. Listen to what Hebrews says. Chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, the day is drawing near, folks. You know, if you've been coming here for long, you've heard me say, if you miss community in the Bible, then you've missed the purposes of God. He sent his son into the world to build a kehilat, a community. And we are together. We are to support one another. We are to... Uh, rejoice with one another. We are to mourn with one another. We are to gather and support one another, to encourage one another, pray for one another, pray for the purposes of God together. Where two or more are gathered, there God is with us. In community, there's conflict resolution. If God forbid, there should be need. There's encouragement in community for one another. We give, we receive, we share our giftings, our resources, our love, our Messiah. Scripture says iron sharpens iron. If we're not in community, we've missed the purposes of God. We've missed what God gave us to grow in Him. Yeshua said this in Matthew chapter 12. He said, one of the teachers of the law came to Him, came and heard Him One of the teachers of the law came, heard them debating, noticing that Yeshua had given a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Yeshua answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Well, let me ask you. How do you love your neighbor If you're not in community, if you don't have any neighbor. So if you're in the habit of not gathering together, you're not fulfilling half of the two greatest commandments. You might as well face facts, folks, as much as you might not like me. God gave us each other to polish one another, to sharpen one another. And if you're not part of a community, and if you do not support the community with your time and with your money, if you do not participate, if you do get into a conflict and you don't participate in conflict resolution, but you just run to the next congregation instead of settling your differences, then you're outside of the will of God and the plan of God, and you're not going to grow. You're going to end up paying a price for that. When he says live in harmony with one another, that doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything. But it means we have to mature in love and have respect for one another. It means that we will undoubtedly, hey, we're undoubtedly going to have differences. And we can have spirited debate with one another. But at the end of that spirited debate with one another, we should give each other a hug because we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. And I can tell you that there's way too much majoring on the minors in the Messianic movement. And my phone rang yesterday with a perfect example of this. A dear friend who is concerned 
that I might not believe in the rapture. Called me. And they call me because there's people in the congregation who don't believe in the rapture. And there's people even that teach that in the congregation. Well, let me just say this. I don't believe in the rapture as it's presented by the church. And really, the word rapture is not biblical. But I do believe in the catching away or the sheltering of the righteous in the time of Jacob's trouble. There will be a catching away, and there is no doubt about that. Paul says this in Thessalonians. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Messiah will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we shall ever be with the Lord. Therefore... Comfort one another with those words. You see, it starts out with a really important sentence and it ends with one. It says, for we say this to you by the word of the Lord. There's no doubt that the catching away of the righteous and the sheltering of the righteous will happen. It's not Paul's opinion. He didn't say, behold, I say to you, as he does in some places. He says, by the word of the Lord. And when you search scripture, it's in the word of the Lord. You find it everywhere. But what he doesn't tell us with any certainty is when it will happen. Right? Will it be before the time of Jacob's trouble? During the time of Jacob's trouble? Or after the time of Jacob's trouble? The Bible's unclear about that. And I'll be honest with you. I can go into the Bible and prove a sheltering that's pre-Jacob's trouble. And I can go into the Bible and prove a sheltering that's mid-Jacob's trouble. And so really, I have to hang on. I'm disputing with myself half the time. (laughs) Right? But Paul said, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I choose to comfort myself believing for the best. That's a comfort to me. And that best is pre-Jacob's trouble. Who wants to go through that? I'm not going to fight over it or lose faith over it if it doesn't happen. If it doesn't happen, is pre-Jacob's trouble. But if I'm going to hope for something, I'm going to hope for the best. I'm not going to hope for pain and tribulation, I can tell you that. Amen? (laughs) But listen, friends. Where the Bible is unclear as it is here, that's a disputable matter. We should debate about such things. Should we debate about such things? Yeah, debate is good. Should we separate over differences of a belief in, of a such, in such a matter? Well, that's majoring on the minors. We should debate over the word of God, but when all is said and done, like I said before, we should have enough love and respect for each other and for community that no matter how intense the debate was, We should give each other a hug. Right? And you say, well, you know, I would say this. I'd give you a hug and you'd say, you know something? We're probably both going to be surprised. (laughs) Because, you know, God has a way of surprising people. (laughs) Right? However, it doesn't mean that we should live in harmony with those who don't accept Yeshua as Messiah. 
or those who don't believe in the deity of Messiah, or those who don't believe in God at all, or those who are Muslims or Buddhists. In society, we have to function with all types of people, but we're in harmony with those who love Yeshua. Remember, Paul is speaking about community here. He's not speaking about the world. He's speaking about the community of believers. And he says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, in Rome, he's writing to Rome, and in Rome is a very class-conscious society. And so he says, don't be proud. And let me say something. There's nothing to be proud over. And pride is the opposite of humility. Nothing will separate you from God, from God faster than pride because God humbles the proud. And let me be the first to tell you there's nothing worse than being humbled by God. Classes are a part of the world order, not part of God's plan. God's plan is that we live as brothers with each other because we're all his sons. As Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. In other words, there's no classes. Except the ones this afternoon. (laughs) Read the first chapters of Acts. And you'll note that the Kehillat, the congregation there, there were classes. The rich sold what they had to see to it that the community would stay together. And each one in the community had what they needed. There were no classes. Paul says next in verse 16, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil to, for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. Be of the same mind and respect what is right in the sight of all men. Let me tell you something. That is a prescription for disaster if you don't keep in mind that he's speaking to and of community. You see, the whole problem with the church today, or with much of the church today, as we've out of context, out of the context of community, and Yeshua's kihilat, and we've transferred them, transferred them to mean all of society. And therefore, as sinful behavior becomes accepted by society, we move to accept it into the church. That's not what Paul means here. He covers that kind of thing in his letter to the Corinthians. Chapter 2 and verse 6, or 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Between Messiah and the false Messiah, in other words. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out of them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 
You see, much of the church has moved away from what is acceptable to God to what is acceptable to society and the world. And in doing so, it's filled itself with all manner of uncleanness. For the sake of being accepted by society, for the sake of being mainstream. That's not what Paul means here. He's not saying respect what is right in the sight of heathens, of idolaters, of the immoral. He say respect what is right in the sight of others in the community. And in this instance, all men doesn't mean all men. As in all men of the world, it means all men as in all men of the community. We're not con- to conform to the world in our unity because we can't be unified with the world. The unity I believe in and the unity that Paul speaks in is we are to be unified in our effort to conform the world to the word of God so that we are all in unity. You know, I purposely, in the study of Romans, did not use many rabbinic quotes because I don't believe that the Romans that he's writing to had much respect for rabbinics. And Paul, as the author of this letter, knew that as well. So I wanted to establish what Paul had to say by Scripture alone. After all, he's writing to a group with a limited knowledge of rabbinics. However, I did find one by Hillel that I want to include today, who actually predates Paul, predates Yeshua. In fact, Paul learned from uh, his grandson. And he used to say, Hillel used to say, be of the disciples of Aaron, loving peace and pursuing peace, loving other created beings and bringing them near to Torah. We're to love peace, but our goal in pursuing peace should should be to bring the world Closer to the word of God and closer to God. And now, in the end of the chapter, he's going to use two quotes from Deuteronomy, or one quote from Deuteronomy and one from the Proverbs. Verse 19 says, Never take revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will replace, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, never take revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. And to support what he's saying, he quotes Deuteronomy 32. Paul says, never take revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. That sounds very much like some of the sayings of Yeshua, where your actions toward your brother affect the outcome of your life. Yeshua said this in Matthew 6. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will, forgive, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So here Yeshua says, Your forgiving your brother will result in your Father forgiving you. Paul says something quite similar, yet it's different. He says, In exacting your own revenge, your own vengeance will result in the Father enacting vengeance on you, basically. In other words, if you're enacting vengeance, will result in a lesser punishment for your brother who, had, who, had venge- who did something to you, who offended you. When you act as judge and jury, you take God's role in the matter. You know, I tried to explain this to a child one day and his parents. 
And it makes an excellent, excellent example of what Paul is saying here. In fact, it's, I think it's really good. But this child came to me with his parents to tell me that so-and-so had said something not very nice to him in the playground. And he and his parents came to me and asked me to do something about it. Well, of course, I was willing to do that. And I went to the playground and I found the other child there crying because he had all because he had been struck by the first child. You see, the first child had already done worse to him than I would have done. And not only that, when I turned to the one who had initially wronged, my focus, my judgment was on him for striking the other child. You see, he just changed things. Paul is saying, lighten up. Leave vengeance to those who can judge the matter with proper judgment. If you exact judgment and it's too severe, then the attention of the judge will be on you rather than on the original offender. Be quick to forgive and leave judging to the judge. Why do you suppose... He means by, if, what he means by, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Well, what does it mean that you should treat people with kindness because you really want them to suffer? Oh, you did me wrong. I'm going to treat you with kindness so you really suffer. Boy, you hurt my feelings and I'm, I, I'm going to do these nice things for you and then you're really going to get what you deserve. Well, sadly, that's the way this verse has been taken. Right? But Paul is saying, don't take offense with people. Let's go back to my example. Let's embellish the story somewhat to a different ending. This, now it won't be true, but it'll be an embellishment. And let's say the first child who was insulted had candy. And he was sharing his candy with everybody in on the playground. Even the one who was insulting him and the one who was insulting him continued to insult him. And then the parents came to me and told me and I went out on the playground and found this child being insulted. And as even though he was giving the insulter candy, sharing his candy, trying to be nice to him. Well, I would have undoubtedly been upset with the insulter. Because here's a child doing what is right and he's being berated for it. So I would have been incensed by his behavior. And Paul is saying that God, like we, would go on the defense for the one who's doing right. So if you do not take offense and do what is right, God will come to your aid. And let me tell you what, he has a much better way of dealing with people than you do. Let me also say, it may not be at the very moment or the very time you would expect, but in the end, there's going to be a judgment. And by you doing what is right, you'll keep yourself from judgment. And the one who continued in the persecution in the face of your kindness has made the matter much worse for himself. Now, with all of that talk about honoring one another and loving one another and not judging, not taking vengeance with those in the community, what does he say next in chapter 13? He says, every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. 
and they have been opposed to uh, those and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves for the rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior but evil do you want to have no fear of authority do what is good and you will have praise for the same for it is a minister of God to you for good but if you do what is evil be afraid for it does not bear the sword for he does not bear the sword for nothing it is a minister of God an avenger who brings wrath on those who practice evil therefore it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of the wrath but also for conscience sake and we're going to look at this next week but here's why I wanted to include this this week and I'm going to finish up with this real quick I wanted you to see that he's not speaking of governing authorities in the world. He hasn't been speaking of governing. He hasn't been speaking of those in the world. And he's not speaking of those in the world now. This is a continuation. He's speaking of those in the community who are in authority and in places of judgment. Right? It's a good thing to be at peace with the governing authorities as well. Lest you wind up in jail for doing something wrong. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the governing authority within the community. And although it's a new chapter, it's still a continuation of what he's been saying in chapter 12. So next week we'll cover all of that.